The girl boss is dead. Long live the girl moss, parentheses, lying on the floor of the forest and being absorbed back into nature. And I feel like (laughs) the moment I, (laughs) the moment I read that, I just had this like intense clarity on like, yes, that, that actually is where I am in life. Welcome back to I'm the Villain. Today, um, we're going to be talking with my friend Winks, who actually works with me um, at the National Home Funeral Alliance. And But we're not going to be talking about funeral stuff per se. Um, we are going to be talking about like hustle culture as it relates to like you know, white supremacy and the fact that I'm just like trying to nap all the time. Like <laughs> now that it's like the winter, we actually have uh, uh, another person on our board um, who who literally just like, hi, you know, sends out an email being or has like an autoresponder on her email who's just like, I hibernate for the month of December. So don't expect an email back from me like <laughs> until January, legend behavior. which I think is great. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, <laughs> absolute um, icon. I know. <laughs> well, do you want to uh, just like give a quick intro to, uh, you know, the audience, anything you think that um, the listeners should know about you? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Winks. I, uh, as is well said, work on the um, National Home Funeral Alliance board. Um, I am, I don't know, I just kind of float around the internet these days. I, <laughs> my career is like all over the place and um yeah, I, I definitely have a passion for um, community death care. Um, I also just like to be like an absolute homebody that's basically a hobbit that stays home and, and does nothing. And it's a constant battle between that and trying to do everything that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you've kind of like like, do you feel like you're still in a battle or do you feel like you kind of come more to peace with being like, okay, like, you know, like, because I feel <laughs> personally like often having this pressure to like leave the house, you know? <laughs> <laughs> See, as far as being a homebody, no, I, I am mm-hmm. so like the changes that have happened to the world from the pandemic on the stay at home front have just worked so beautifully with my general like existence, <laughs> my way of being. Yeah. Um, everything else, obviously <laughs> not great. Um, but this mm-hmm. one piece of it, like I love how much more people are connected on Zoom. I love that I can get anything delivered to my front door and I don't have to go outside. I just can go out and like get the mail and check my plants and then come right back inside <laughs> and stay home because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that's the kind of human that I am. <laughs> I literally felt like, you know, for no, literally like no external pressure whatsoever, just like, you know, a thought that occurred to me in the middle of the work day today where I was just like, oh, maybe I should go outside. And then I did and I just regretted it immediately. Like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it like so cold is awful and i was like why am i doing this so i like went around the block and i came right back home <laughs> like were you like going for a walk yeah i was just going for a walk uh, okay yeah i wasn't like doing anything yeah not the <laughs> yeah. not the vibe for me personally <laughs> yeah, I, know, I know you don't like going on walks but you like doing other things that involve leaving the house yeah i i would say that generally. i generally i generally like to leave the house for re- for like three reasons and that's like to hang out with friends, to eat, go eat, and to go climb. <laughs> um, <laughs> or like, you know, ride my bike or something. So mm-hmm. I would classify myself as solid, solidly not a homebody, but I, I, yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm more so vibe with the, um, I definitely vibe with the tension of like, working and creating capital for myself like the tension of that with like you know not wanting to and like not certainly like not you know like i'm i i the 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 idea of working for the rest of my life feels stressful and you know it's like i get a lot of like internal crises from that thought (laughs) sure Mm -hmm. Sure. yeah i'm just like the opposite of rise and grind you know yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, wait, Winks, do you want to like tell us a little about why you like, you know, just like why this is a topic that that you've been thinking about? Yeah. So uh, it, it really there is this tweet that, that I saw a while back um, and I just looked it back up. The original account that tweeted it was Daisy or Days and Confused. Sorry. Um, and it's the girl boss is dead. Long live the girl moss parentheses, lying on the floor of the forest and being absorbed back into nature. And I feel like the moment I, the moment I read that, I just had this like intense clarity on like, yes, that, that actually is where I am in life. Um, because I, I used to really lean in to like that girl boss identity. Um, and I was, Um, just trying all of these, like I was trying to be an entrepreneur in all these different ways. And like, I had this subscription box business and I had a YouTube channel and I was doing all these different things. Um, and I, I, I felt like I was really thriving on it. And then I just absolutely hit a wall and hit burnout. And I feel like ever since then, I've just been in this back and forth struggle of like, having all of these different interests that I really want to work on and I get really excited about all these projects and I like start leaning into that uh like hustle culture a little bit too much and then like I mean just like what you were saying like I, I have that and then it's constantly fighting with my want to just do nothing <laughs> and like mm-hmm. I just want to exist and I the times where I actually stop and start just focusing on like the present moment and self-care and all of those things. It's like, I feel like a human again. And I kind of question why I get to the point where I don't feel like a human. (laughs) Maybe I should stop doing that so much. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, I mean, were we just like, were we not taught how to balance appropriately? Like how to balance our lives? I don't know. I just feel like, no, I don't really know people that are like really good at Mm -hmm. work-life balance. No, I think we weren't like, I think especially, um, I mean, and I don't know, I can't speak for all millennials, but I think it's, um, sort of this weird narrative that you hear a lot from other generations about like millennials being, um, like lazy or entitled, um, while juxtaposed with this like reality of most millennials having like crippling student debt and like, um, all of these (laughs) things that they're having to like work five different jobs to try to like figure out how to pay for it like hustle culture like has kind of bloomed from all of this um and so i feel like we've gone from i don't know i feel like like it, it we have these two messages coming in of like working really hard and like having this very popularized idea of hustle culture and then also fighting against this idea that like we as this generation are lazy and i feel like it's just it's basically a perfect storm for existential crises. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know exactly um, how to deal with that. And um, and then, like, also just capitalism just lives from all of us feeling, like, bad and insufficient about ourselves. And so the more that they can give us that message, the more we feel that we need to hustle and like the harder it is to just stop. <laughs> I feel like it's also kind of a remnant of like, you know, like a lot of things that are going on, like in our current age, it feels like so many things are remnants of just like past eras of capitalism that the U.S. at least has gone through that like don't really apply anymore where like there was, you know, like the education system that we have now is pretty much predicated on this notion that like, oh, you need to instill hardworkingness in, you know, your future workers or whatever, because the more they work, the more money they'll get, the more successful they'll be. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, I think part of the cognitive dissonance that we see is that like so many of the people who are actually sort of being glorified as successful and rich now or whatever are people who are absolutely not doing anything even remotely like that. People are like deciding like, you know, like when uh, Mt. Gox, the crypto exchange, like like glitched basically. And like there was this one guy who had put in an order for like a billion like bitcoins if the price ever went below one cent. And then he just became like an instant billionaire essentially off of this weird glitch. You're just like, oh, like so many people are just like doing weird, random things like that, 
you know, that are not mm-hmm. involving actually any amount of work whatsoever. It's just people trying <laughs> to like scam right. the system and yeah. working. And like most of the people that we, I feel like sort of glorify in that space are people who are kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if like maybe there are some entrepreneurs who like work really hard or like, I don't know, like maybe Jeff Bezos or whatever was really like, you know, yeah. I don't know. But like, I don't think that the, that for the most part, that sort of narrative applies very much in the phase of capitalism that we're in now. Yeah. I wonder totally. if the like the discount or like the dissonance that we feel like, is it because our generation is like generally more aware that hard work does not equal wealth? <laughs> like, is that what it is? And we're seeing constantly, and I think it's like partially a social media thing too, where we're constantly seeing like examples of the people who are working the hardest being like people in retail or in the restaurant industry and stuff like that. And like those people being paid the least and like the whole narrative around essential workers being completely sort of like debunking our notion of like, you know, are we actually valuing the people who are keeping our society running, Mm -hmm. you know, in the ways that like in terms of the actual value that they provide or do we completely value all of the wrong things you know we're we're in this like super cognitively dissonant space because we're seeing all these contradictions happening and it's just like what do you do with that information like we all know that this is like a thing that's like a phenomenon that's happening but Mm -hmm. then it's like how do you like use that information to translate into some kind of like worldview around how you're supposed to like decide how to live your life right yeah right like I, um, I mean, Isabel knows this, but I recently got a new job and, um, I, it, I, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop because it's, it's such a, it, it, I feel like it really, um, paints a picture about like, just like where we are in this world, um, where this job is so nice. Like everyone who works there is so kind. Um, I'm doing the same kind of work I was just doing previously but probably even less, it's less stressful. I'm getting paid way more, better benefits, all of these things. And (laughs) it has created such a like anxiety in me, like the amount of imposter syndrome that I got just for being treated like a valuable human. Um, Like, like is where are we when that is? And it's actually so bad that part of the onboarding experience for this company is a like whole little online lesson thing on imposter syndrome because they know that everybody is coming in from these other jobs where they are treated as like replaceable cogs and like it's just so bad when that is the status quo and like you have to have an actual course on imposter syndrome and have resources for how to deal with that just because you have a job that values you Mm -hmm. yeah 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 i um (laughs) i feel yeah similarly i also just started a job that pays me a lot more and i generally feel like i don't work as hard right and i'm like and Mm -hmm. i'm like uh (laughs) (laughs) what's up like what's going on here (laughs) you know yeah like that's how it always is right Right. yeah and like like to isabel's point it's like then the people who are like really working the hardest are making not enough to even survive like an unlivable minimum wage and they're working 10 times harder than I am on a daily basis. And I'm making like plenty that I feel super like secure. Yeah. Have you ever worked in like a service or like a minimum wage job? Either of you? This is what you haven't, right? No way. No way. I don't think I'm like, I'm I'm literally, I have a babysat or something. I don't think that any of those things count though. You know? Yeah, like when I was in um, like high school and, and college, I worked part time for a minimum wage job, but I was never in a place where I depended on it, that income for like my full like living cost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got it. <laughs> I feel like DeAndre, you've told me on the on the show at some point in the past, like, oh, maybe you should try it or whatever. And I'm like, it sounds terrible. I don't know why. <laughs> Every yeah, single I mean, time like, somebody tells me about their experience it, working in the restaurant industry. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, I, it's, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it sucks. It's not yeah. good. <laughs> it's not good. And I mean, like, I've said this before in this show, I'll keep saying it. The yeah. hardest I worked in my life by far was when I was in college working at Chipotle and I had an internship and I had a front mm-hmm. desk job at school. You know, like, I was like, I was completely burnt all the time and I look back at that version of myself and I'm like, I mean, 
I did it out of necessity. I didn't have a choice, right? But mm-hmm. I look back at that version of myself and I'm like, damn, I hardly recognize that person, you know? Like, and maybe the reason I'm so like, kind of like, eh, chill, like chilling now is because of like the, you know, four years that I did just like crush it or five years I did just like crushing myself into the floor of a, you know, into the, uh, into the floor of a restaurant. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's like, we know how we have that notion of people like peaking or whatever, like, oh, you peaked in high school, you peak. And it's sort of like, well, what? Like at this point now, like now that we're like sort of like realizing that like all of those notions of what success means are like at, le- at the very least flawed. Like what, 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 like, what do we even consider peaking to look like? Right. Does, does peaking mean like, oh, I don't have to work anymore and I can just like pursue my own interest or like does it mean like you know the time when people sort of society kind of respected you the most because they saw you like whatever like you know performing at your highest level you know what i mean yeah right i don't know i feel like the concept of peaking to me and and, like that's because i feel like it's so wrapped up in these like capitalist kind of ways of valuing ourselves like it's so it makes me feel sad (laughs) Just like, um, like, I don't want to feel like I peaked at any point. I just want to be like mm-hmm. constant, like, cause I don't know. And then you, what's to look forward to if you, if you've peaked. Yeah. Do you guys know that, that Instagram with like the frog that has like stilettos and like a mushroom hat, you know, what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I should. There's, uh, there's like there's like a little uh i don't i don't know what the person's handle is or whatever but i feel like a lot of their posts really encapsulate a lot of this like very cottagecore aesthetic that people are really leaning into you know of just being like yeah like you know or like those posts that are like you know why do we glorify that like you know we should glorify whatever this is and it's some dude like drinking tea like in a meadow or something mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> <a> cake. That, <laughs> yes <laughs> um but there's, but there's an element of that vision that also feels like unsatisfying to me. And I think it's like, I think it's like for me, even though I fully feel aware now of like, oh, this is like the reason why I prioritize these things is because I'm conditioned by whatever my education and society to like, you know, you're the future leaders of the global village kind of like rhetoric, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you have been invested in, therefore it's the onus is on you to lead and to give back and like blah, blah, blah. Like, I do definitely feel, for me at least, like that vision of what like, you know, pr- you know, basically kind of like, you know, being able to have the privilege to just kind of like chill does also feel extremely unsatisfying morally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I think no matter how much I also like, you know, question what capitalism looks like, I don't feel like I can really shake that like under the pinnings of mm. my desire to like do something regardless of even really necessarily what it is. Yeah. So I'm like curious, like if you guys felt like, you know, we could get actually a UBI like passed or something like that, like would you want to just like chill or like what would you want to do in that scenario? Yeah, I mean, I do. I definitely do still feel like the the guilt if I'm like yeah. chilling too much. I definitely feel that. Um, and also, I like I generally like I generally believe in balance, and I think that it would be really hard to like relaxing is so beautiful because because you are sometimes busy, right? I don't mm-hmm. think it would be yeah. as beautiful if, it would, if I was never busy. I don't think I would value it as much, right? So I think that like and like I do still get the gratification of like going out, doing something, accomplishing a thing. So I think I would mm-hmm. want to do something, you know? I like, if I didn't have to work, I would certainly be like devoting all of my, like all of my resources to like mutual aid or like community support, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, do you get this ick like at the end of a vacation where you're like, oh, I'm done being on vacation? Yes, absolutely, yeah, I get that. totally. Mm-hmm. Especially, <laughs> especially if you're getting back on a Sunday, oh, I'm fucked. Oh, yeah. If I get back yes. from a beautiful week long vacation and it's Sunday and like, and I'm about to go to work tomorrow. I'm like, oh God, why do I feel disgusted with myself for like, <laughs> for just hanging out? You know, like, what did I do? Oh, good. I feel like I get the ick of vacation for I'm like, I'm ready to do things again. I don't like this sort of like, I almost feel like the opposite way of like, oh, I feel like 
vacation or whatever is something that is also kind of like conditioned in our society of like, oh, you're working, 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 and now you can get to be in break mode and then you yeah. can go back to working mode. Because mm-hmm. I don't really enjoy the notion of break mode either. And then I also kind of realized like, I don't have to like do that vacation thing either because it doesn't gratify me at all. Like I don't really like traveling or doing things like that. Like, so I'm just like, I could just like, you know, like I don't have, like that's also something that I don't need to conform to either. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like I like I don't know. I I feel like I'm sort of at this point where I'm I'm just like in the midst of trying to sort out my feelings on so many bits of this. Um, yeah. So I I don't have like super clearly formed thoughts, but um, but yeah, because I I don't like the concept. I think it has been conditioned into us a lot that the vacation time and the time off is really just to be to make you able to go back to your nine to five the next week and to like keep you from not being able to do your work it's like you it's almost this built-in like safety net to make sure you can continue to work um mm-hmm. it's like you're the donkey going around the windmill right, and you're like yeah. well we just need to let the donkey rest so that it won't die right like, yeah and it's like i don't like it's being, not like we're trying to be nice to the donkey right right like <laughs> i don't like <laughs> being in that situation so much um so yeah, like I don't know, like I'm I have been trying to come up with ways lately that I can just build in things at different points throughout my day to just make myself feel like loved by myself and like appreciated by myself and like bring that feeling into like different points of my day. Um which I don't know, it doesn't really help the, you know, hustle culture thing but it like makes me feel better (laughs) when I then go back to work later because it's like I feel like I've taken like I've reclaimed a bit of my time just for me um and part of that might just be like the intention that I'm putting into that time I might have had that 10 minutes to myself anyway but I'm like being more purposeful with it um what do you do oh I think okay so so one of my problems is that like I have ADHD and if I don't see a thing in front of me, I will forget that I had any intention of doing it. Um, and so I have these uh, electrolytes that I'm supposed to drink every day. <laughs> and um, I also have some CBD gummies that I really like and that make me feel a lot more chill during the day. So I got some cute jars and I set them up by where I make my coffee. So now every morning when I'm making my coffee, I also have my electrolytes and I have my little gummy and I just have this moment um, that feels like I'm taking care of myself. Um, And yeah, stuff like that. Like I've been doing little like breaks just to move around um, because if I'm left to my own devices, I'll just sit on the couch all day or like sit at my desk all day. Um, And Mm -hmm. then I wonder why my body's grumpy at me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know, just taking moments like that or like if the weather's nice, I'll go outside for a minute since, as I said, I generally don't go outside otherwise, unless I <laughs> intentionally make myself go outside. Um, mm-hmm. but stuff like that, I don't know. I feel like it's been helpful with kind of combating it, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard to get out of the system, y'all. Yeah, it mm-hmm. really is. <laughs> I started meditating. I- oh, really? Ooh, that's good. Wait, when did you start doing that? What do you say? When? At the beginning of last week. Oh, nice. okay. So very fresh. <laughs> How has it been going? Uh, good. It has not been. I. It, is, it feels. I look forward to it. Really, because yes. I had meditating on my habit tracker for like the last two years, and that's the that's the one habit that I haven't been able to like had that I've been the worst at doing, because yeah. like I. I thought that it was going to be this thing that really sort of like whatever like centers you and like makes you feel more present or whatever but then I felt like often I would like I can't I I certainly can't just meditate like without any kind of recording or something like that yeah no no I've been using headspace yeah but even when there's a recording I I feel like even in the midst of trying to meditate like they'll be like do this and I'm like do I really have to do that? (laughs) I could just think about whatever I want and just sit here like like daydreaming basically. You were just the worst. You know what? I know. So it ended up being like such a battle that I was like, oh, wow, this isn't restful for me at all. I mean, like I'm 
just like everything, I'm sure meditation isn't for everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends too. Like I did this one meditation. Um, it was this like death sangha thing, which I'd never heard of before, but it was like this, the, the whole point of it, it was like, I went through different rounds. It was a like whole guided meditation where it was basically describing like ways that you might die. And then you were like, just to be in it and like feel all the things that come up during that to like help you like confront your feelings around death um <laughs> but i was like in my head being like a complete smart ass and like they were talking about um like the way that you would die in this situation i'm like actually that's not how that scientifically that's not how that works like <laughs> that wouldn't happen that way um, uh and like i just i i sometimes i have a really hard time not trying to engage the guide in a discussion <laughs> um and, is it like yeah. describing like drowning or something like, like how do you like what exactly is it describing like the way in which someone is dying yeah there well it was weird because it was like first you envision your own like kind of worst nightmare situation about how you would die and it's like just give you some time to think about that and then yeah. you finally die you fall into this river like whatever you know the various mythological rivers that will carry you off to an underworld um but then when you're in that river like all these things swim out and they start eating you and then you die again and then you wake up in like this other space and so it was like um it was very like nightmarish where it wasn't things that would happen necessarily in the real world like there were all these weird like monster creatures involved um and still i was like arguing like what how scientific like like how this monster creature i'm like i don't think that the eggs would would do that i don't think they would burst like that that's not how eggs work um right. and uh yeah but so i just went through all these rounds um to make you think about different types of death and um it was really like gruesome and like gross descriptions um yeah like really trying to like make you feel upset basically uh it was interesting it was an interesting the uh, situation to be in um mm -hmm. I, I i would be curious if you ever tried it to hear what you thought <laughs> well i actually it's not exactly that but mm -hmm. um i i recently finished this book station 11 mm -hmm. um have either of you i know deandre you i mean there's also a, it's also a movie or a tv show or something have either do you guys know station i've 11? heard of it but i haven't read it so okay it's like basically talking about like what I think part of the reason why it became popular during the pandemic is because it's basically talking about a pandemic situation. But like instead of I think only like 0.08% of the population died because of COVID or whatever, like it's like the inverse. It's like 99.9% .9 of the population dies mm -hmm. and we're kind of back into a state of nature. And like but obviously we have all of this like stuff left over from having like human civilization essentially and like you know people are just like fighting over like you know like all of the you know raw materials that are like you know left because we can't keep like you know we don't have literally like the people to produce things like like whatever like electricity gasoline like any of these things that require like a majorly complicated refinement or production process right mm -hmm. um and that like really made me think about like how it like the the there was just so much violence in this book right and it's just like you in my mind i was like well if suddenly 99 percent of the population stopped existing you'd think that there would actually be the opposite of scarcity like we have all of these like you know stores and stores and stores full of stuff presumably for a population of like whatever we have now 8 billion people and then if you suddenly have like 0.1% of that then you would think that you would have like basically as much abundance as you would literally ever you know you could possibly have mm -hmm. right but like they yeah are just so like you know you're just constantly like afraid of being killed and like you know trying to kill somebody else that it really made me think about like the ways in which we are so lucky basically that we get to use i feel like on the left we often use words in a sort of a, like an inflated way like we often use words like violence and trauma for mm -hmm. things that we wouldn't have referred to like you know maybe 10 years ago as mm -hmm. like violence or so people saying like silence is violence and stuff like that and i do think that after like you know being in this brain space of being like oh like this would be so you know like in this like post-apocalyptic scenario this would be so scary making making it so stark a contrast to think about how like you know 
for us to equate these things with violence means that we're so divorced from like real life violence of fearing for our lives Mm -hmm. that we can kind of get away with that in a way that like, you know, shows kind of our hand in terms of like how like actually privileged we are to be in a pretty safe environment, you know? Yeah, I Mm -hmm. I feel like if I was in a post-apocalyptic world, like I would just... I would really just go be a girl moss. I just lay on the on the ground and just like, <laughs> like whatever happens, happens. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I've I've experienced this dissonance as well. Of like, you know, I've thought to myself like, yeah, like hustle culture, and then like the kind of like, you know, retort to hustle culture that I'm feeling of like actually I'm just like in a chill culture or are like kind of all artifacts of, you know, living in a society that's like generally better off than it used to be, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, to, you know, in like, I'm sure that my great grandparents or grandparents did not have room to like recognize what hustle culture was because they were just like, yeah, we're just like working to make money and feed our children, you know? Right. (laughs) Right. There was no, like everyone was doing that, right? There was no, like, and there was no social media to gratify it. There was no like, you know, they were just like, yeah, I go to, I fucking go to work. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I wonder, I wonder, like, I wish that there was somewhat objective way to measure happiness. Right. Cause like, Mm. I wonder, like, were we, are we happier now or are we happier that were we happier then? Like, did we feel as a society, you know, obviously we're, there's no monolith, but like, did people feel fulfilled by just like going to work every day and like doing the thing that like maybe they didn't like doing because they like provided for their family? Did that make them feel gratified? Right. Because like that doesn't make me feel gratified at all. But maybe that's just an artifact of like knowing that some people don't do that and knowing that I don't really have to do that and knowing that like, you know, I can work from home and like play my ps5 for half the day and probably nothing would happen you know <laughs> like like <laughs> you know i um none of these questions are answerable but i think they're fun to think about yeah. i do think the local though is the one that is so much more important because obviously we don't have the even if we did know the answer like oh we would be all better off if we were just like you know not in this super technological environment where we're staring at screens like eight hours a day or whatever and we were back in whatever hunter gatherer times even if we knew that was true, like, what would we yeah, do we with that information? With I, mean, I don't know. I mean, like, right? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we, as a society, have a lot of actionable data about ways that we can make our life better that we don't use. So even if we knew, right. like, <laughs> right. even if we knew that, like, the way to optimize our happiness was, like, this, this, and this, if it didn't line up with production, we probably wouldn't do it. So, But I guess for you, I, I think the only thing that it is useful to, like, figure out is for you locally... And then that is actually a very answerable problem because you can sort of like imagine yourself, whatever, like just like eating grapes in like the like, <laughs> like the forest and like, you know, not, and maybe sometimes having to worry about predators or whatever. And, you know, thinking to yourself like, OK, is that something that I would prefer to this? Oh, yeah. I mean, no. Because right. like if we wanted to live in like, you know, a less technological, like there are people who are absolutely just doing that now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. speaking less from like a technological standpoint and more of just like a, you know, like how much of how much of this is just having options? Right. How much of our like unhappiness or how much of our like dissonance is just coming from the fact that we have options now? <laughs> and, right. like, and it's wild that like having those options make us feel like we don't have the options to like, I, I feel like people still, you know, have this, you know, like so many corporate people are like, oh, you know, like I wish I could just go start a bakery and live this simple life. Right. But anyone obviously could do that. And there's still something preventing you from doing that. Right. Right. Yeah. Because some things are like, sick. Yeah. Well, and I, I think one thing that's like, I've actually thought about this lately too, is that just the fact that we don't have to go like, you know, whatever to uh, some factory and like work there or a mill and work there all day um, just to feed our family. And by the time you come home, we're like exhausted, you know, and there's like, the privilege that comes along with that also, I think, opens up space and um, like being on the internet and stuff, you have all these resources and like, I don't know, like over the, especially over the pandemic where there's nothing else to do, I feel like I and so many people that I know have really been digging into like our gender identity and like just all of these components of our identities. And we have the ability to do that because we have the leftover capacity after our job or our work is done and we have the resources because of the internet. And so we're able to like do all these things and learn all these things about ourselves, which 
can give a lot of happiness and can also give a lot of like anxiety at the same time. Um, And it's something I think about because like, it's such a foreign concept to like my parents um, who like bless them are like, you know, really, I I tell them all these things and I know it just like rattles their world a little bit (laughs) when I um, am like, Hey, so have you heard of Demi girls? Um, Are you aware of like what a non-binary gender is? And um, like we have all these conversations and it's something that they would never have thought about because I think they didn't have the resources, but also just didn't have the capacity outside of just like going to work and getting their paycheck to like take care of their family and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. That's something that I thought about a bit recently too, just like the way that our, I, you know, it's partly the resources. It's partly like our working environment that, or at least like for someone I'm speaking for my own privilege, obviously. Um, but like to have that ability to also like learn about myself in so many new ways, because I have that capacity, um, I don't know. It's just like, I think about how different that is from like older generations. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't give, I wouldn't give this for the, I wouldn't give my current state for the world. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, there's no other part of the time, time period that I'd want to live in. Um, Cause I, well, yeah. I mean, potentially the future. Yeah. Maybe the future, but like, maybe don't we don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> if it's like I that think, book you read. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I would peek it if I could. If I could peek the future and then and then make the decision, I would. <laughs> but if I can't do that, then I would definitely just stay right here. Because, um, you know, I think we, there's, obviously there's, like, so much good that comes with the, the less good. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, I, like, I, would, I feel like generally my life is sick. And, like, you know, if I did do, like, a, sim- a similar style of living that I've been doing for the last, like, four years for the rest of my life, I'd probably be, like, pretty happy. You know, mm-hmm. so right, and that is something I'm I'm internally grateful for. That's something that, like, you know, when when, when you talk about like you know being having more space to kind of even just like introspect and think about things like identity, like that's something that's in like kind of in this whole conversation that's going on right now about this like. Uh, like the Lenza app, where they're you know like they mm. can like you know take your photos and like make you into this like, like just like draw all of these like you know sort of sci-fi futuristic. Um, like portraits of you. One of the things that, you know, people have been talking about is this whole notion like, oh, like they're stealing from the artists, like this is unethical, like, you know, and there's an element of it that to me is sort of like, but so many of the artists I know who are doing it as like an actual money-making enterprise, like don't enjoy the fact that they have to do that in order to make a living. Like the primary value of art in my mind is clearly not as a commodity. Like people would still make art, even if you could make the best art possible for no amount of money, right? right, With a machine. And so like, it's just an interesting, like, yeah, what would we all do? Like maybe we would all actually care about making art more if the people who regardless of whether they're artists like making book covers or like whatever, like the, the commodified art that people are actually doing to like make money could be automated and we could like figure out some system to redistribute wealth and like, you know, have like, you know, a perfect utopia of people not having to work or doing whatever they wanted to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Like in that realm, like in my mind, this whole thing about like, you know, being able to like create things cheaply is still kind of, obviously it's a big assumption that you're assuming that they will actually redistribute your wealth or whatever. But like, if that were to be true in my mind, that would be a non-issue, right? In fact, it would be positive because you're allowing this thing to take over your job that will then allow you to like not have to, you know, make shitty art that you don't want to have to make for some corporation somewhere. Right. Right. Cause like, yeah, then the machine can do like the elements of your job that everyone hates, which is like, in. (laughs) in in hypothetical you know this hypothetical world a great thing right right yeah i mean i you know i i can't speak as a professional artist but i i it makes sense to me that it would be great if someone who just wants to make art like i know a few of my friends who are artists and who are so talented but then have gotten to places where they don't make their own art because they're so burnt out from having to do Mm -hmm. their day job stuff um, and mm-hmm. then 
when they're finally in a space where they're able to actually just make their own art because they don't have those other demands on them. It's like they just come out of this dense fog, you know, it's like they're, they feel like themselves again. And it's just this really awesome thing. So um, I could see a similar phenomenon if people, if you took the um, commodity out of the whole process. So, yeah, it's weird to me that this is where this whole fight is kind of starting, because in my mind, that is kind of where a lot of like actually like awesome, like, you know, a lot of people would actually be very happy to not have to like whatever, you know, like the, I don't know, the kinds of art that I know that like actually makes money are just like, you know, making like corporate brochures or like making I have a friend who like does the art for like medical textbooks and stuff like that. And you're like, mm. oh, like I, I, in my mind, it's like a no brainer. Like, of course, just let the machines do that. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could see like if, if like I said, I, I feel like I don't have enough um, experience as like I could see an, an actual artist who is making money from it. I could see that making someone anxious and like worried about their stability um, financially just because like, is this going to take away the work that I have? Am I going to have to do work that's something I don't like to do? Like I could see all of that coming up, but um, I am really curious to see where this path leads us. <laughs> I was I was actually even having a conversation with this woman the other day who's like the um who like works in death care who was saying like yeah you know there's elements of the internet that's looking at things like recompose or like you know human composting and they're like oh is this because like you know the soon like the ruling class isn't going to need us and they're going to need a way to like you know mass like you know basically like kill everyone and have huge you know like graveyards where you can't tell how many people died and stuff like that you know and like i i totally you know like it's totally obviously not the point of like what katrina spade was trying to do or whatever right but like knowing like kind of like what is going on in like you know the macro economy right and like seeing these trends in ai and seeing like you know all of these like very imminent like obsolescing like majority of jobs right i can totally see like why co- someone would come up with these like conspiracy theories you know right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot of room that's the thing there's just a lot of room for us to be thinking about shit right now <laughs> and it's like i don't know i think a lot of those theories like put so much weight on this notion that someone is engineering these these systems to be yeah. this way mm-hmm and like that's like kind of true right like you know there are either intentional or non-intentional there are like groups of people that definitely would like our status quo to stay the status quo right because it benefits them yeah so like you know it's just like a lot of the conspiracy theories are just like if you like walked it back like three or four steps you're like right where you need to be you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah like you know how so so one of the things that we were talking about before the episode was like talking about how like this whole perfectionism and hustle culture is like a part of a whole like white supremacy thing yeah right and and i think that kind of like harkens back to this paper like the characteristics of white supremacy culture that has been going around like a lot of you know different corporations and like dei trainings and stuff like that and i think the thing that a lot of people like often who are introduced to that paper like especially white people who are introduced to that paper like uh feel very like jarring you know when they when they first are introduced that concept is that like there's this notion that like you know white people are all kind of like doing this intentionally to like you know make to like oppress people of color or whatever and like you know therefore we made all of the elements of our work culture this way right we created this notion of perfectionism in order to oppress we created this notion of like right to comfort in order to oppress right Mm. and i think that that like is obviously like not well I, i guess it's like you know kind of Maybe, maybe, maybe the two of you would disagree, but in my mind, it's like clearly not intended to be like that kind of intentional thing, right? But I don't know. I don't know how either of you. Re- I think people read that paper really, really differently. Yeah, you know? I haven't read the paper, but to me, I mean, I would. I've always felt like the, uh, you know, like I've always felt like the real kind of, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Maliciousness in these systems. Like the thing that makes them so scary to me is the fact that like, you know, for the most part, they're like, there aren't people that are like evil masterminding oppression in the workplace, right? Like the scary thing is that like, they these are just the norms that were set and it makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, it's a very clear line of how they were set, right? Like, you know, like people, the people that used to work or the people that like defined office culture were white people. And so they set mm-hmm. norms that were, that, you know, quote unquote worked for them, white men mostly, right? And like, mm-hmm. um, and those norms are oppressive to literally everyone else. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And, but because that, because they, you know, the power lied slash lies with them. That's just what the norms were. Like to me, that's what, to me, that's much scarier than like there's someone. With a smoking know, gun. Yeah, with a smoking gun, right? Like that. <laughs> yeah. Like the scary part is that this is just how we live our lives. <laughs> yeah, there's no like, uh, one big baddie to go and like just take down and then everything yeah. is. It's is much harder. Yeah, rainbows. it's much harder yeah. to solve to solve the, the systemic, like these are just our norms and, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, you could just go, you could just go like kill the big monster. You can't do that in this case. Right. Like every so often, I think there's hints of things like that. Like, you know how there's that quote from like, you know, the whatever, some staffer who was part of like engineering the war on drugs where they're like, oh, we knew that they were, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Yes. I don't know the quote, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you know, there are things like that or like, you know, when they were trying to kill yeah. Fred Hampton or something, yeah. right? Like there I mean, are to be clear, the war like on drugs that. is not what I'm talking about now. <laughs> no, no, sure, sure. <laughs> that is completely, that was, that, there, there are some like monsters you can point to for that, right. for sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but like, you know, you could totally trace that as also a part of like professionalism culture and stuff like that, right? Sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think another part, like it's, a part of the scariness is that it, it at least seemingly doesn't seem like there is this one big baddie or even like a conglomerate of baddies that we can go and just like take out. Um, there's just like this whole systemic, it's just like all these norms that like we like blindly follow, but then you get those moments where you see like a quote of some like insider who's leaking some information and it's like, Oh, actually it's really blatant in this situation. So how really blatant is it? in all of these places that we're just not able to see. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's another piece that's very scary. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> it's all so bad. <laughs> I think it's going to just come down to like, you know, are we able, are we going to actually, and I think that we're going to like find out in our lifetimes, Mm -hmm. like whether or not we actually figured this shit out or not, right? Yeah, (laughs) I mean, honestly, like part of my, like, so part of my, I think you asked earlier is about like, you know, sort of what would we do if like, if robots took all our jobs and there was like UBI or whatever and we could just um, exist. Like, I just kind of want to be like, I, I just want to be like the local like witch woman in my neighborhood and just like have a bunch of like, a huge food forest yard where it's like, oh, there's lots of veggies that I can just go pick and like herbs and stuff. And like, I know how to do some stuff with herbs if needed. And it's partly just the like girl moss vibes. And it's also partly like if society as we know it just crumbles, I want to know how to like take care of some things like with herbs and Mm -hmm. um how to grow my own food and so it's like one part prepper one part girl moss um Mm -hmm. and like all parts just like anti-capitalism and anti all these systems that we have in place um Mm -hmm. but yeah that's that's basically my whole situation and that's probably like my drive that's one piece anyway of my my pull to like community death care because i want to know how to do this stuff if worse comes to worse and who knows we're in this like post-apocalyptic you know station 11 or whatever situation like it seems like someone someone around here should know how to do that and maybe i'll be that person for my like little block of houses um yeah yeah and so it's like that's just the vibe that i want to have and like i i would love it if i didn't have to depend on this like you know make my my capitalism dollars so i can like pay my mortgage and i could just 
focus on those things, like that would be where that would be the space that I would be in. Yeah. Yeah. You could never quite, I feel like I like, I never, I can never quite a hundred percent laugh at all of these conspiracy theorist people. Cause you know, <laughs> like after reading that book, I was like, maybe I should just it probably wouldn't hurt to take some survivalism class oh, or something, yeah. you know, like, yeah, no, you know, what? Good to know. No <laughs> right? it is good to. to know. Like, just like how to do basic, like start a fire without mm-hmm. a match. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, important. I learned how to um, pick locks at one point because like, <laughs> this was my actual reasoning behind this. I was like, if there was ever a zombie apocalypse, I am, I, I don't have any sort of like physical strength or like, like it, I would not add anything physically to whatever group of humans I was moving around with. In fact, I would harm it because I'm very slow um, and I would like need help opening basically anything. But if I knew how to pick locks, that would make me an asset. You gotta find your niche, right? Yeah, I was like, if you need to pick, you need to break into something, but you can't make a lot of noise and like alert the other like wandering groups of humans or zombies or whatever. I'll be there, and I'll get I'll get us in, and that will make me an an asset that you should keep keep around. (laughs) Just don't ever teach. Just don't ever teach anybody. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's secret trade. <laughs> you gotta keep the scarcity. You gotta, you know, make sure you're the hot commodity on the market. <laughs> what did you ask us about? What's your What's your niche? My zombie apocalypse niche. Yeah, yeah. Um, your role, I guess. I will. In terms of intangibles, I think I'm. A, I think I'm a charismatic communicator. I think I'd be a good like mm. potential organizer for the group. You know, mm-hmm. That's um, physically, I think that. Um, I think I'm very strong, <laughs> um, but also I have like a, I have a shitty back and a bad knee, so I don't know, you know, like, um, but I think, I think, uh, especially amongst my, like, my, like more progressive DC friends, I think I am certainly more trained with firearms mm-hmm. and more like perhaps down to do some nasty stuff you know <laughs> yeah like like i don't know i mean like i wouldn't like i certainly like wouldn't enjoy and would be scarred by like you know shooting a zombie mm-hmm. but i'd know that i could like i have no doubt okay. that i could right yeah um That's good i would i would take no pleasure in it but like i'm confident that i would be able to pull the trigger yeah um <laughs> and like in the situation, you need people that are not, that are going to be not afraid to pull the trigger, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm also not fast though. So like, if it, I would, I would need to get in shape really like my cardio would need to go up really quickly. You know. Well, I, I do think you could probably hide for some amount of time, right. but it's that like was, you would, you have to eventually get. Yeah. And whilst I was mm-hmm. hiding, I would like. <laughs> training every day to get ups. my cardio up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I know one day we're going to need to run for a long time and I yeah. need to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if somehow the, the zombie apocalypse was navigable by bike, I'd be great. Oh. I'm well off. Well, I don't see why it wouldn't be, right? Uh, You know, there are zombies. Like, the bikes aren't very protected. But they're faster than a zombie, I assume. Unless yeah, zombies like, can ride a bike. Yeah, then you're I fucked. Certainly or hope if there's like, which would be terrible. Or if, there's, or if like you run out of paved road. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. There are limitations. Yeah. Although you know how to climb, right? So then you could just like if you ran into like rocky terrain. That's true. I have never see. like I'm a recent climber. I started in like March or April. So I wonder how and or if how transferable are my skills of like climbing a fake boulder wall to I've thought about this a lot because like yeah I also climb and I'm like I really think there's like pretty much no situation where climbing would help you actually survive because like you can almost always just go around like (laughs) (laughs) but sometimes you can't I guess but that seems so rare and generally I mean the thing that's certainly transferable is that we have like decent upper arm strength I have way better upper arm strength Mm -hmm. than I have before right so Mm -hmm. yeah you know like yeah, if I got to jump a fence, I'll certainly be able to do it faster now than I could do it before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think those are my skills. What about you, Isabel? Mm-hmm. Do you think you have any skills? 
Dude, I don't have anything. That's why. What? That's why reading this book, I was like, oh, I gotta get some of these skills. <laughs> oh, one thing that I was gonna say on like the survival skills front is that like, I might be in like the worst place you could ever be with that because I have loved survival shows my entire life. Like I've yeah. loved like Survivor Man, Man vs. Wild. There's a terrible show called Dual Survival that's just like so ridiculous. Um. So I've absorbed like hours and hours of this content and content and like, you know, have never like virtually never put any of like the things that I've learned or seen into action. So like, <laughs> I think, you know, like I, I really don't know where that puts me. Make maybe better off than someone who's, who knows nothing at all. You know, like I know the mm-hmm. concept okay. of, a, of a bow drill to make fire. Mm-hmm. I've never tried it. I've never made one, but I know like the concept I, I, I maybe could tell you the pieces, yeah. but, you know, maybe I should, like, get out there and try to learn some shit. Well, that's why I wonder if we just, like, if most of the people who had those sort of, like, specialized skills, like, how to, like, make electricity or something died, like, do you think, given what we all, like, whatever, like, learned in school, just, like, baseline general knowledge that we have from our, like, educations, could figure out how to, like, you know, reinvent some of this stuff, or would we just be totally fucked? I think it would take generations. You You think so? To like just, yeah. I was listening to a podcast. It was a a, a Lex Friedman podcast with uh, Tim Urban, which is a guy, I I think he like does the blog. um, Yeah, I know Tim Urban. He's the wait, but why guy. Yeah, wait, but why guy. Yeah. And he was like doing this thought experiment about like, okay, so if you, if a witch came and took away all of our technology all at once no one died but took away all of our technology like and all we would just have were like you know all the, the coal all the coal was back in the ground like all of the you know like plastic would, would need to be reinvented like everything was just nat- back to natural resources but we still have just the knowledge in our heads as a society like how long would would it take for us to remake the iphone and the witch was like the witch is like when you when you remake the iPhone, you get to have like your shit back or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And he thinks that like it would just it would take us the like virtually the same amount of time. Like maybe like maybe it would take us like you know a couple like maybe like a hundred years less than it was last time yeah. because we know that electricity exists and we know like <laughs> that it's possible, mm-hmm. but. You know, it would just, it, it takes so much time to build that infrastructure. And that's what I was thinking about when you were talking about Station Eleven, Isabel. Like, yeah. if like, so if that much of the, of the world's population died, like, you know, we would, we, yeah, like, it's like, obviously we couldn't produce at the same rate, but like, no one knows how, like, we, we lost people that know how to produce probably. Right. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that's like, that's a shame. I mean, on the one hand, it's like good job humanity that we've like actually made such like, you know, incredible, like complex. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, things. But also like that would be like w- probably like your worst nightmare. Like what did like the worst like outcomes I could possibly imagine coming upon humanity, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. knowing that you could have done this thing, but you don't know how. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> he theorized that like, you know. Some people would just like go lawless and like just like decide to like, you know, take whatever they need and like live their lives. Some people would like just accept it and be like, no, we're just going to live in this new like primal age and like live in a society. And like maybe like a dedicated 1% of the population would like try to keep at it and try to create this iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I'm just going to be the the neighborhood uh, like whatever, which with my garden and my herbs and just <laughs> which girl moss <laughs> yeah my my yeah girl moss witch <laughs> whatever that is um, vibes yeah that's that's the vibe thanks wings this has been great yeah, yeah thanks for <laughs> thanks for having me this is really fun <laughs> for sure um yeah, I feel like we've been having a lot of these like kind of organic conversations recently, and they're nice. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. This was really fun. I wasn't. I was hoping I wasn't coming just terribly unprepared. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad we're, this worked we're, out. We're so just hanging out here. We're just hanging out. 
Um, okay, so what is something happening in your like near future that you're looking forward to? Mm. Um, well, actually, I'm getting ready to go visit my family in less than two weeks, about 10 days from now. I'm flying to visit my family who I haven't gotten to see in person for three years because of the pandemic. So I am really super excited that I'm going nice. to go have some nice chill end of year times with my fam. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Very wholesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, this is your time. If you have anything you want to plug, you can plug it now. Oh, um, but you don't have to. Yeah. You know, um, I guess, you know, I'll plug the National Home Funeral Alliance, which is a great organization <laughs> that I, um, am proud to work with. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically it for me. I'm just out here being a girl boss. So I don't have, I don't have things. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. Oh, I'll take, I'll plug my, my new show, my new show. Yes, my new please show. do. Um, I pass my plug. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, it's not that new, but, um, I have a new music podcast. It's called three discs changer. Our, our Instagram is at the number three disc changer. Um, it's just me and my friends talking about a different album each week and uh, good times are had. Cool. Well, as always, you can find us at I'm the villain pod. <laughs> Sorry. I, <laughs> now that I have two shows and I do the outro on both, I like sometimes start doing the outro for the other show. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so yeah, you can find us at I'm the villain pod. That's our Twitter. That's our Gmail and that's our Instagram. Uh, otherwise, bye. <laughs> <laughs>